Hello again my fellow beings. I hope that you enjoyed listening to the introduction of the book with love from the hills. So let me make you aware I'm going to divide this book in five parts. And today we are going to begin with the book 1. So here it goes, book 1. 50 years on. It's just over 50 years since I came to live in Mussoorie and I'm often asked what made you stay here for so long to which I can only reply I forgot to go away It's the sort it's that sort of place without seeming to do so it takes hold of you and time passes without being noticed and summers and winters come and go and children go to school and grow up and still there are children going to school and growing up now it's 50 years since i came here and during 34 of them i have slept and worked in the small room except for the those brief periods when i have traveled to other parts of the country usually in order to promote my books being an impractical person I'm not a good traveler and now I usually take my grandson Rakesh and his wife Bina with me so that I don't get lost or lose my baggage. I'm quite happy sitting here at my desk or standing at the window contemplating the world as it stretches away across the deep valley over the distant Shivaliks over the plains and sparkling rivers. I have been down the east coast and it's beautiful in many places but still I return to this perch in the mountains with its birds eye view of limitless horizons last month the winter was really bad and I did not leave the flat for a couple of weeks there was snow and cold biting winds and clinging fogs but i was quite happy indoors there was a fire which was all important and there was food which is equally important and there was company when i needed it and there were all of my books for company of another kind and what more could i ask for not once did i feel restless or imprisoned maybe it's because i have grown old 80 this year Ten years ago, if I had been locked up, I would have been fretting to get out, to go for that evening walk, visit a friend, pick up the latest gossip. Now I am quite content to sit here, writing these lines and occasionally looking up to watch the westering sun bathing up Orlando in a wash of gold. and suddenly it's spring mid march the sun pouring into my room brings with it a delicious warmth my bones muscles arteries nerves all feel relaxed such a relief after 3 months of wincing from the cold a girl from kerala drops in for a chat bringing with her all the warmth of the south i find southern girls very pretty especially the dark ones outside 
Small trees and shrubs are in new leaf. Tiny flowers appear on the retaining walls. Here and there, there is a touch of green. A butterfly, a butterfly appears from nowhere. The cat is after it. Fat cat pounces but misses, and the butterfly escapes from the open window. A minor bird alights on the window sill, sees the cat, and takes off in a hurry. Fat cat is reduced to chasing flies. I plant some cosmos seeds on the hillside. My favorite flower. I love sweet peas too, mainly for their fragrance. Sweet peas are hard to grow up here, but I plant some seeds in pots and hope for the best. Life on this planet is all about seeds. Plant life, animal life, aquatic life, human life. It all comes down to the sowing of the seeds. This is the miracle, the insistence, the persistence of the mysterious germ that is life. Spring is a time of life renewed, of a green and reviving earth, of nesting and mating and birth. And so we come to Holy and Easter and all the other festivals of faith celebrating life and hope. Hope. Yes, it is a season of hope, the season when, like the life, like the leaf itself, we are reaching for something beyond ourselves. It is spring and the sap is rising. I feel it too, old as I am. I would like nothing better than to hold someone young and beautiful in my arms once again. Am I asking for too much? Well, one can always dream. No one can take our dreams away. A pair of squirrels on the parapet. Why do I like squirrels? Because they have no ideology. I think that sums up my love for nature. It isn't burdened with ideology or doctrine. Man is intelligent, no doubt. But the ultimate wisdom is locked in a seed. Plant a seed and it grows and puts forth blossom and fruit and then seeds again. Probe into the seed and you come to the germ. Probe into the germ and you come to the source. The mystery of our beginning and may it remain a mystery. You have to be cold before you can appreciate warmth. You have to be sick before you can value good health. You have to be poor before you can enjoy good fortune. You have to be old in order to appreciate being young. March 31st So here I am today, the 31st of March, a Sunday, looking up from my desk at the red geranium. And from the far window, I can see the oak trees, the Himalayan bunch in new leaf. A pale milky green with tiny white flowers, which will soon turn into acorns. I can see the monkey in that tree, and I hope he stays there. If he sees my window open, he wants to come in and raid the kitchen. And this upsets Bina, because he helps himself to anything edible that's lying around. He's a big fellow, and I'm scared of him. He shows his teeth in a snarl and makes threatening noises. 
Bina deals with the beast by flinging a mug of cold water at him. Monkeys don't like cold water, she tells me. Nor do I. At least not in March, when there is still a chill in the air. But today, I'm spared his company. He's joined by his family, which includes several very young ones. And they leave the tree and advance down the hillside in a troop. Heading to heading for the Sabzi Mandi near the bus stop. When they are driven away from there, they will make their way to the Woodstock school kitchens. This is what happens when animals become dependent on humans for food. Monkeys, stray dogs, stray cows, crows, rodents are all dependent on what we throw away. In the process, they lose their ability to survive in the wild. in the natural state state but it's our fault not theirs as human habitation spreads and the forests diminish we come into conflict with these wild creatures who still prefer the independence of jungle and the wilderness every week we hear of leopards straying into towns and villages and attacking people or being attacked in return beaten to death of elephants being killed by trains how can an elephant assess the speed of any advancing train it will just stand on the railway embankment and stare at the advancing enemy unable to get out of the way isn't it the window there are two large windows in my small bedroom come study they take up most of the outer wall They play a very important part in my life and for several reasons. They let in plenty of light which is important for a writer who doesn't see so well. Plenty of sunshine in the morning which is my writing time. The windowsills allow me just enough space for growing a few flowering plants in pots of various shapes and sizes. Geraniums do well here. Bright red, salmon pink, and a sort of purplish pink which isn't too common. Also, the odd nasturtium, and in winter chrysanthemum. And when there's a lull and nothing much happening, I plant peas and beans, and they come up quickly and keep my spirits from faltering. A writer needs a few flowers to keep him going. The view from the window, I can see the sky, the mountains, the valley, the cottages below me, the winding road, even the garbage dump. Even pretty hill stations have garbage dumps and they don't go away. I can open the window and shout out to the postman or the kabari wala or the candy floss man. or a passing acquaintance and they can shout up at me from the road and in this way i am part of the passing show a writer needs flowers but he also needs people at 5 the first faint light of dawn comes slipping over the mountains by 5:30 it's daybreak and an hour later the sun is up streaming through the nearest window and across my bed I bask in its warmth. 
A couple of sparrows are squabbling on the windowsill. Down at the public water tap, a couple of women are squabbling over something or the other. Two boys on their way to school are having a heated argument. Is it going to be that kind of day? A couple from Bombay accompanied by their two children drop in to see me on their way back to the big city. The girl is 12, the boy is 5. They don't go to school. It seems that learning at home is the in thing with many modern affluent families. And here's the irony. Poor families with incomes barely sufficient for food and shelter will give up half their earning to send their children to school, preferably English medium school, which is expensive. And here are folks who can afford the best keeping their children at home. I wonder if it's wise. They may learn more from mom and dad than they would from their teachers, but they will be missing out on the opportunity to mix freely with other children to see how others live, to make friends, to be part of the world around them. I put this to their parents and the reply was, Oh, they can get everything from the internet. I suppose they can. Love and learning and everything else. But what about the touch of a human hand? Perhaps that isn't important anymore. Not wanted. And the little boy, one day, he might want to kick a football around. Best done with other little boys. Or maybe he'll be content to play games on the computer screen. The world outside the home may seem hostile. But we have to face it when we grow up. And the school is probably the best place to start facing it. Uh, this is the end of the book one. Thank you for listening my readers. And uh, am I, as this is my first podcast, do excuse me if there were a couple of fumbles. I wish you a good day. This is Lakshmi signing off. Bye.